0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: You know, if I were to ask you a question, I'm. And I don't expect a theological answer. I just expect a real answer from you. If I were to ask you, why did Jesus save you? What would you say? I don't need to hear that right now. I just want you to think about that for a moment. What would you say? Some of you might say, well, so that I could be forgiven, so I wouldn't have to go to hell. And, and that's true. Salvation brings about the benefit of being forgiven not going to hell, but I'm going to say that to you right now. That's the benefit. That's not the reason why you're saved. What? Really? I thought that's why we're supposed to get, so they don't go to hell. No, folks. The reason why we are here, the reason why you trust in Jesus Christ, the reason why Jesus went to the cross to die for you is not so that you just have a benefit, but so that you could enter back into a relationship with God. And the purpose of your relationship with God is so that the reason why he created us is to serve him. Do you understand what I'm saying? To serve him with our lives, wherever we're at, whether we we work in industry, whether we we work in retail, whether we stay at home, or whether we're at school, whether we're in ministry, the the purpose is, is that we serve God with our lives. He saved you to be a servant. Now the problem is, I'll just be honest with you, the problem is is that we think in terms of God's servant as somebody who's going into ministry. And we've reduced it down to the full-time vocational guy. But that's not true. Being a servant of God is serving God with your life wherever he has placed you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wherever he has placed you. And what happens is is we get into a lot of confusion. And, And even churches get confused. We realize that I'm saved to serve him, but then we think in terms of confusion because we're not sure what that means. Well, maybe you've been in a church where they've stressed all the time, well, it means that you're to go do evangelism all the time. Well, yeah, to a point. But then maybe you're in a church where serving God means holding a right-wing political perspective. Possibly, but I'm not sure about that. But what you're going to see is, is that's Not our purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not why we're here. Why we're here is to serve Jesus and to do what he told us to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? But here's the problem. I'll give you two things about the confusion. We struggle with understanding God's purpose for our lives. That's what we struggle with. We've heard so many confusing messages about what it means to serve him. Do you understand what I'm saying? what it means to be involved for God, that we we really have a hard time, if I were to come up to you and say to you, what's God's purpose for your life, most of you would say, I have no clue. Or, you're not sure, or you thought it was this, but then you're wondering if it's this, and now you just heard about this, and you're not sure. We're confused. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about from my own life. And, I, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, if you're struggling and you haven't come there, I understand because I'm 50 years old and I'm just starting to realize it for myself. Back in 1986, I was sitting in a little little independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And it was a Sunday evening service. Back then churches typically had Sunday evening services. Baptist churches had Sunday evening services, and I was sitting I was 20 years old. I was going to be 20. I wasn't even 20 yet. I was 19. And it was it was winter, and winter in South Carolina is like spring right now. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's cool, but it's not like winter up here in January. Okay, so I'm sitting in church there, and I'm listening to the preacher, and and I'm and I'm listening to the message, and and I'm gleaning from that. And I felt I had a, had an unusual experience. I can I'll just call it unusual. I know what it is now. But I sensed God's Spirit say to me as I was watching my pastor at that time, as I was watching my pastor, God said to me, I want you to do that. And that was the first time that I sensed the call of God in my life to go into ministry. That was pretty simple. I want you to do that. So finished up that year at school, took a year off, and was really torn about what I should do. I went to work for the airlines and was really wrestling with what God wanted me to do. And so I ended up had influences in my life, ended up going to Liberty University. All I knew is, is God called me to be a preacher. And the only, the only perspective of church, you understand, I came to Christ as a 19-year-old, never went to church before, the only perspective I had of church was this little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina with a 100 people in attendance. That's the only perspective. So then I go into ministry training, and then I get involved, and I go around, and, and all of a sudden, confusion happens to me about what it means to serve God. What do you mean? So that by the time that I'm done with school, I have learned so much about ministry, have so, you know, so much training that in, in many ways, the simple call of God, I want you to do what he's doing, was confused with, I want you to build a big church, or I want you to do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so confusion happens as far as why I'm here. And so my identity now becomes, I'm just being honest with you, in how am I doing as a Pastor. And so we struggle. And we're never happy. And we get stressed out. Trying to figure out what's God's purpose for us. What's God's purpose for us? So we struggle with understanding God's purpose. Here's the other thing. So this is what happens. The confusion leads to a life that moves from one cause to another, from one cause to another. The confusion leads to a life, and this and this may be true with you. You you were happy and excited when you were in the church, and at that point, you were excited about knowing when Jesus Christ came back, and you thought that's all church was about, was figuring out when Jesus Christ came back. And then, all of a sudden, you got another pastor, and he's, he's anti-abortion, and so you think your whole purpose is to be involved, the church's whole purpose is to be involved with stamping out abortion in America, or... Another pastor comes in or you listen on the radio and and you hear that our purpose is to bring America back to God. And so you think that it's voting the right way, making sure the right person. And and you just get one message after another. And after a while, you don't really know what to do. Something within you dies. I'll, I'll just say it that way. Something within you dies. You know that you're supposed to serve God. But what does that mean? What does it mean? confusion confusion leads to a life that moves from one cause to another so what do we do i think we go back to the bible and see what god says we should do and the passage that we're going to look at today is is from that passage in chapter 10 and 11 where we talk about the king's commission where we see some instructions that jesus is giving his 12 disciples He's giving them a purpose, what they're supposed to be here. And it's something that we can learn from and grasp for ourselves. And so I want us to look at these verses. There's about 11 verses here that we can glean from and help us to understand why we are here. And in fact, it it really answers the greater question of why Kerwinsville Christian Church is here and why you're here. And hopefully you'll grasp it, okay? So look with me. Look with me at verse 5 of the Gospel of Matthew and we're going to look at verse 5 through 15. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely give neither gold nor silver nor copper in your bag belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. And if a household is worthy, let your peace be upon it. And if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, that it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that for that city. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at these instructions and try to understand what our purpose is, why we are here, what God's called us to. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about us as a collective as far as the church. I'm talking about what if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, why you're here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here, I want you to understand something. You may want to write this down. As long as you're breathing, he's got a purpose for you. Want to write that down? As long as you're breathing he's got a purpose for you and you need to grasp that because when he no longer needs you here he will take you home if you know jesus he'll take you home if there's no longer a purpose for you here he will take you home so as long as you're here and you're breathing he's got a purpose for you maybe that's maybe that's harsh Maybe that's something you haven't thought of before because you thought this was all about you and what you could accomplish in life. It's not all about you. It's about the one who saved you and what he wants you to do. Do you you understand what I'm saying? And he, he wants you to do wherever you're at, whether it's working over here or working there, living where you're at. So let's look together. Look at the assignment. First thing he tells them to do. First thing he tells them. He tells them to have a single focus. A single focus. My, do we need to learn that lesson. What are you saying there, George? Well, look at the passage with me. Look at verse 5. He tells them, don't go the way of the Gentiles, don't enter the city of the Samaritans, verse 6, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's going on here? Well, he's sending them out on a trading mission. And what he wants them to do is he wants them to proclaim this message, the message of the kingdom, but he only wants to focus on one group. He doesn't want them to be distracted by going to the Gentiles. He doesn't want them to be distracted by going to the Samaritans. He wants them just to go at this point only to who? The Jews. He wants them to have a single focus. Now listen to me, folks. Listen to me. You and I, as a church... And you and I as individuals have to have a single focus. The reason why we're here, because it's communicated over and over, is that we're to be witnesses to the reality of who? Jesus Christ. Now listen, So, but things like this, that's important. We support it. But to be honest with you, that's not our focus. You can name a whole bunch of other things that church are getting involved in. Those are important. However... That's not our focus, right? He calls us to have a single focus, a focus of why you're here and why we're here. And that focus is, listen to me, telling people about how real Jesus Christ is to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's telling people about Jesus Christ. That's who they need to hear about. So he tells them, right here, he tells them to have a single focus, In fact, I'll be honest with you, that's why a lot of churches actually, to be honest with you, aren't doing well, is because they no longer have the single focus. They're bouncing from one issue to another, trying to find one issue that's going to reach people. Folks, the only thing that's going to reach people is not whether or not we're conservative and vote the right way. It's not any of that stuff. The only thing that's going to help a church and grow is to reach people because we recognize that the only hope for, for mankind, not just for when they die later on, but for now, with the stuff they're dealing with right now, is who? Jesus. So he says to them, he tells them to have a single focus. Here's the second thing. He tells them to have a single message. The single message, look with me, verse 7. And as you preach, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What do you mean the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Can I tell you who the kingdom of heaven is? That's Jesus. He's here. That's your message. Can I tell you something? There was an interesting book that came out. It's probably been five or six years ago now. The book's called Un-Christian. U-N-Christian. Un-Christian. And in the book, it was, it came out from the Barner Research Group. And what they did was, is they interviewed what we now know as the nuns. The nuns are people who identify themselves as nothing. You know, like when you get a form and it tells you to identify yourself, they used to, they'd ask you if you were Catholic or Protestant or something like that. This is where people would say they're nothing. They're not atheists, they just don't identify themselves with anything. So they they were talking to these nuns, interviewing these nuns, surveying these nuns as far as their perspective of evangelicals. Now, I'll just be honest with you, we would be considered an evangelical church. So here's what these folks said. Overwhelmingly, can I be honest with you, several things were pointed out about the view of the world, 18 to 30-year-olds, And their perspective of people who attend church. That we have these type of messages. Number one, that we only hold to a right-wing political viewpoint. Number one, when they talk about evangelicals or Christians, they view us as being political. Number two, that when you talk about Christians, evangelical Christians today... They view us as wanting to tell other people how to live their lives. They view us as judgmental. They view us as hated, hateful. Now let me just stop for a moment. Those are just some of the things the book, the book came out with a whole list of things of what they see. And, and, and as I listen to the news today, and I listen not just from right wing news, I listen to all kinds of news, that is the perspective that people have today about people who go to church who identify themselves as Christians. Now let me just stop for a moment. Nowhere in there did anybody identify us with anything to do with the message of Jesus. What happened? We lost our focus, and can I tell you what else we lost? Our message. What's our message, folks? One word. Wow, that was lame. What's our message? Jesus, Jesus right? Somehow that's gotten lost. And I can understand it. A few years ago, I'm, it's probably been 10 years ago, I was downstairs listening to the local Christian radio station in the office, listening to a program that comes on, some family guy coming on there, and, and he's telling people to call their senator because of the injustice of the capital gains tax. And so I stopped for a moment. I, I was typing away, working on something, and I just had to stop for a moment, and, and I thought, you know, There might be some truth to that. There might be. But here's what I thought. What does that have to do with Jesus? And why do I need to hear that on a station where I'm listening to be encouraged in my walk with Jesus Christ? What does that have to do with Christianity? Folks, it has nothing to do with Christianity. But what it does is is that tells the world that we are what? Political. Political. See, Jesus, wanted. he told his disciples, have a single focus. Do what I'm telling you to do. And you have one message. What's the message? The kingdom of God is at hand. You need to get ready because God's kingdom is coming. You need to be right with God. That's the message. Jesus. Here's the other thing. Third thing I want you to see here. He tells them to serve others in their needs. Look with me, verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What's going on there? He's saying to them, as you're going out and you're proclaiming the message, don't just be so one-sided that the only thing that you're interested in is their spiritual condition. You reach out to people who are in need And show them the love of God while you're going. Isn't that what James says? You walk over somebody who's naked and destitute and you say, bless you, but you don't even help them. See, that's what's missing. People are turned off at the church because they think the only thing we're interested in is their what? Two things. Money and what? Souls. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we really don't care about what? people. But isn't it interesting? When you listen to Jesus, he says this. By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. You know what I'm saying? He tells them to serve others in their needs. Here's what I want you to see. The fourth thing I want you to see there. They are to proclaim the grace that they have received from God. Look at that last statement there in verse 8. Freely, freely you have received, freely give. All right, let's stop for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about you. Don't think about anybody else. What did he forgive you of? Have you thought about that lately? What did he forgive you of? Because I can be, just be flat out honest with you here. Every single person who's breathing in this room has done something that you're ashamed of. Something that you feel guilt over. Something that you wish you could take away. Every single one of you here has, has done that. How do I know that? Because you're a human being. Do you understand me? You are a human being, and we do wrong. We sin. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Aren't you glad Jesus forgave you? Now, did you have to do something for that forgiveness? It was freely given to you, wasn't it? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, guys, you go out. I got a single purpose. You got a single message. Meet others in their needs. And just like you experience grace from me, you show grace and proclaim grace to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you something. When I first became a Christian, even when I first started in ministry years ago, years ago, I was a pretty critical person. I was pretty critical of other people. But I'll tell you what's happened gradually. As I've, as I've grown in Christ, as I've understood my own sin, I have people come into my life. I don't sit there and condemn them. They come into my office and talk to me. They, they tell me all this stuff, and I don't want to hear it necessarily, but they do, and I sit there. I don't condemn them. Why? Because I realize it could be me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It could be me. But he forgave me, and he can forgive them. And so just as grace was given to me, I show grace to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that they can experience what? The grace of Jesus Christ. I will never forget this story. I was talking with a a group of pastors here in town. One of the pastors was, was interacting with a businessman. The businessman at that time happened to own a bar and he decided to go to one of our churches in our county here. He walked into the church, people knew who he was, and people looked at him and said, what the beep are you here for? He got up and left. And he said, the churches are filled with judgmental people. Folks, that's not our purpose. Our purpose isn't to say we're much better than anybody else. Our purpose is to recognize we're just like everybody else. And just as grace has been shown to us, we need to show grace to who? Everybody else. You know, I think think that's what I'm so thankful about Curbensville Christian Church about, is that we have, through the years now, become, can I tell you what we are? We're a grace church. We're a grace church. We accept you right where you're at. They are to proclaim the grace that they had received from others. Here's another point I want you to see from his instructions. He says, he tells them that it needs their immediate attention. What he's calling them to do needs their immediate attention. What do you mean by that? Well, if you look with me at verses 9 and 10, he tells them not to take with them. He's, he's not telling them to be prepared for this journey. Don't take a money bag with you. Don't take a, take a change of clothes. Don't take an extra walking stick. You've got to go and you've got to do this now. See, that's what I think is missing with the church today is that we have lost the sense of the immediacy of our task. What do you mean by that? Hey, um, do we have any clue when people are going to die? No clue. And how many times has there been somebody who died that you wished you could have shared with? Do you know what I mean? The time is now, right? The time to be concerned about people, whether or not they know Jesus and have experienced the grace of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus, is now. It's not something you can say, oh, you know, maybe next month. Maybe at the next family reunion in 2018. I'll share with them. Maybe when this... No, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be a sense of urgency now and an immediacy to the task. That's what he's telling them. That's what his instructions were. And then finally, verses 11 through 15 and that long passage there about what they're to do when they go to a city and whether or not somebody accepts them. Here's the reality of what Jesus is saying and here's what you and I need to grasp here. Recognize that their message will be received... And rejected. This is why some of you don't share. This is why some of you don't talk about Jesus in your life with others. Is that you are blown away when somebody says to you, "Well, that's what you believe. That I don't believe that. That Jesus stuff's for you. It's just a crutch. You don't know how to handle rejection." And you think it's surprising that if somebody rejects you. Can I tell you right now, Jesus said from the very beginning, some will listen to you and you bless them. But also know that some of them will reject you. So you shake the dust off your feet. And you leave it to me because I'll deal with them in the judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to recognize that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to accept your message. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to have a purpose. And can I tell you, there is nothing like being faithful to God and doing what he says and then watching people respond and commit their lives to Jesus and find healing for their lives and find victory in their lives. There's nothing like it. See, that's why we're here. That's why we're here, folks.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania.